Welcome to the Kingo Podcast, where we interview published authors, screenwriters, and story consultants to answer the question, what makes a great story? If you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe and leave a positive review so that we can continue to grow and learn more storytelling tips from our special guests. Let's start today's show. I've got a quick announcement. Later this year, we will be releasing a storytelling book. The book's going to explore the patterns found in great stories, along with some of the most helpful tools and techniques used by authors and screenwriters. And if you want to stay up to date and find out when it's going to be released, sign up for our newsletter at kingo.com. That's K-I-I-N-G-O.com. And you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the username Kingo Creative. And now, let's get to the interview. Today's guest is Natalie Banks. Natalie is a best-selling and award-winning author and a previous recipient of the North Carolina Governor's Writing Award. She's the founder of The Writing Champions Project and the author of the recently released book, The Moments Between. We are lucky to have her on the show today. Welcome, Natalie. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Ross. I'm so happy to be here. Excellent. Well, I would love to just dive right in. So what do you think makes a great story? I think what makes a great story is when you have a story that triggers your readers emotionally. I think when a reader is invested emotionally, whether that's negatively or positively into your story, that that's really what is the basis for a great story. Um, I once read a quote where somebody said, a, a problem that your character can walk away from is a book your reader can walk away from. I hope I said that correctly, and I'm sorry, I don't know who actually said it to give them credit, but I think that that's true. You know, I found um, in my stories, you know, I've had characters from time to time that have triggered certain individuals in a negative way where they felt like in like my first book, you know, there was a particular gentleman who didn't like the fact that the woman in the story uh, didn't have a job, which is, you know, it's kind of crazy, but you know, that was his personal opinion and it triggered him. And even though he had a negative reaction to the character, to me, I felt it was a compliment because he got emotional over my story. So that meant to him, it was real. So I think that that, that's one of the, I mean, there's a lot of things I think that make a great story, but I think getting your reader emotionally involved is a huge factor. Great point. So can you think of any techniques that you personally use in order to kind of create that emotional connection? Well, I, I don't necessarily think that it's a technique. Um, when, I'm, when I'm planning a story, I actually think of the story as something that is really happening. So as, as I'm writing it, I see it playing out in my mind as a real circumstance and Therefore, I'm able to actually watch my characters feel and think and go through what they're going through like I would if it was a friend or a neighbor. So I think that that helps a lot because, I mean, we all know people that have, you know, gone through things. Now, granted, you know, in stories, it's a little more dramatic than maybe something your neighbor has gone through, you know, to keep it interesting. But I think that, that that helps me a lot is to actually look at them as real people rather than somebody that I'm creating. And I kind of let them feel their emotions and express them to me, so to speak, you know, quotation marks here. But um, 
so that I see and feel what they're going through and I can translate that to the reader. Now, are you an outliner or are you more of a discovery writer? I am mostly a discovery writer. Um, In the beginning, when I first started writing, I just completely wrote from the hip. Even with my first two novels, it was, you know, there was no planning involved. I mean, I kind of had an idea where the story was going, but I didn't plan at all. Um, As I've gotten more complicated plots under my belt, I do find myself making more notes I've never really been good about outlining. I was kind of rebellious in my writing classes. I would write my stories or my pieces, and then I would create the outline afterward because it was part of the grade. Um, But I mean, I don't think there's a wrong or right way to do it, but that's just kind of how I operate. Now, what are some tools that I guess you use as a discovery writer to help you bring everything together toward the end? I know that can be sort of a common problem is not knowing the ending before you begin. So uh, sometimes it can be challenging to wrap those things up. Yeah. um, I think that as, as I'm writing the story, like thoughts start coming to me. So I always keep a a notepad next to the computer. So I even do this with, with plot holes. Like as, as I'm writing, I think, oh my gosh, I just said, you know, I'm going to have to just, throw something out there because I can't think of an exact example. But let's just say in the beginning of the book, I just said my fav- my character's favorite color is blue. And then, you know, th- four chapters later, the character says to somebody, my favorite color is red. Well, I realize, okay, I need it to be red for whatever reason, but I've earlier said blue. So I'll make myself a note and say, okay, you got to go back and change that. So just keeping the little scratch pad next to the computer to catch those small things because it's difficult to keep up with all the tiny details. Um, and as far as wrapping the ending up, a lot of times, you know, it's on the second edit. You know, when I go back through and I reread the whole story that I find any issues that I need to tie up. But I try I try to be meticulous as I'm writing and paying attention. Almost, I think, because... I was a mom, you know, and I have pets. And so I'm kind of, I pay very close attention to what's going on with them. And I kind of treat my stories the same way, almost like children, and try to keep up with all the, the details so that I don't have pitfalls or mistakes, you know, and trying to tie it up at the end, if that makes sense. It does. I love that idea, too, of treating your stories like they're alive and just really being invested in them emotionally as a writer. That's pretty great. Uh, Where do you get your story ideas and how do you develop a story idea? Well, my story ideas come from all different places. Um, My, the Canary Song, I've I've talked about this one a few times and it'll be a good example to tell you. Um, that, That one is about a woman who experiences the loss of a child. And because of that, she alienates her husband because she just, she feels so guilty. So she's so wrapped up in the guilt and the grief that she pushes him away. And he, it gets to the point where he can't reach out to her anymore. He's tried everything. And so he's planning on leaving her. And that's about the time she kind of comes back to herself. And she books a cabin in the mountains of North Carolina, like a, like a primitive camping cabin. So she can get him alone because she wants to try to reconnect with him. And ends up that they they end up being stranded there and he tries to go for help and he never comes back and she's left alone in the wilderness. 
So that's kind of a, a quick overview of it. But that's where where the idea came from as I've experienced loss in my life. I've had stillborn baby and also lost my sister um, in 2005. And I had read a article about someone who had survived the unimaginable in the wilderness. And I just started thinking about how surviving grief, it's like surviving a wilderness. And so that's kind of how the story came together, bringing both of those two aspects of life, you know, being lost in the wilderness and being lost in grief, you know, together. Um, So that's kind of how my stories create themselves as I, you know, see or read one thing and then I, you know, see or read something else or been through something and they just kind of come together and begin to co-create this story. And then I just use my imagination to fill in the, fill in the rest of the details. Wow. That is fascinating. I, I can definitely see how that creates emotional connection, you know, in both yourself as the writer, but also in readers. That is uh, really impactful. Yeah. Yeah. So as you're developing a story idea, do you actively think about creating compelling characters or does a lot of that just grow out of the situation, like you said? And is there anything you do about that in particular? Well, um, I don't want, I definitely don't want to, because everybody's got their own writing process and I'm always a little cautious when I think, talk about how I feel about writing. So I definitely don't want to offend anybody because there, I don't think there is a wrong way to do anything. I think for me, I think trying to create a compelling character in my own writing comes across as fake. Like you, that's, it's not a real person because I'm trying to make them compelling versus just letting them be a person with all their glory, with all their negative, with all their quirks, you know, because we all have things about us that are compelling. So I don't know if that, if I'm answering your question the way that, that you wanted me to, but. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I'm really interested in just getting your perspective as someone to whom these ideas just come organically. It's pretty great. Thank you. Thank you. I feel very blessed. I was, I've always been creative. As a little girl, my imagination was, you know, out of this world, literally. And so I think that that just, I kept that going as a child and as a teenager and on into an adult. I think that that helps a lot. So I kind of kept that inner child alive. I think that helps all of us if we can feed that inner child and encourage him or her to, to come out and help us in our writing. We reconnect back. I mean, because you think about when we were kids, you know, we had no trouble, you know, imagining, you know, our Lincoln Logs as an entire town or, you know, our, our dolls are having these lives. So that's, that's kind of how I approach my writing as well. I love that. <laughs> and on that subject, do you ever find yourself with writer's block? And if so, how do you get over it? It's something I don't want anybody to, to feel sad. Um, but no, I never get writer's block. But the I do get writer's fatigue. And I've actually written about that on my Writing Champions project. It's just, just sometimes where, because when you're creating from the heart and from the soul, it takes so much out of you that there's just some days that I'm just like, I don't have it to give to my characters. 
So, and, and that may happen to people and they may think they have writer's block when in fact they just have writer's fatigue. And the way that I would, the way that I jump on that and try to fix it is one, I give myself permission to walk away from the story. Um, I, if there's something I think I might forget that I've, you know, kind of got a story, you know, churning or like a, a subplot working, I'll just make lots of notes so that I can just feel very peaceful to walk away. And then I just do things that I enjoy or, you know, get caught up on housework or, you know, whatever it is, but to give myself permission to just let it go for the time being. And then I automatically come back refreshed and I'm able to get right back to writing. That is such an important distinction, too, between that writer's block and writer's fatigue. And it sounds like one of the things that you do is you're just really in touch with your imagination. So there are kind of no creative blocks, which just sounds amazing. Well, thank you. I'm not saying that it won't ever happen. You know, I think we, we all can possibly run into that. But as of right now, I've been blessed to not have that that issue. But maybe that's part of, you know, knowing when to say when and when to give myself a break and not trying to force. So what's the most helpful thing you've learned uh, about anything as far as writing goes to help you succeed in your writing? Hmm. Well, that that's a, a multi-level question there. I think some of the best things that, that I have learned from writing books and publishing books is that the most important thing you can do is to love your own work and not to worry about what other people think. Um, as humans, we are all desperate for approval. And it's, it's difficult because it is our, in our nature to want people to approve and to say, oh my gosh, you're amazing, or I loved your story. And that's great when that happens. But we also need to be strong in our own selves and believing in our own story so that we don't get devastated when the negative words come. Because if you're a writer and you put your work out there, you will hear negative words. Just like the guy who didn't like my main character in The Water is Wide about her, you know, not having a job. You know, at that, I think that that was when I really started to learn because at first I was just hurt and, you know, cried and, oh, I got a bad review, you know, but it was because of him. And I have to thank him for that. That's where I began to learn. Okay. Well, this is a good thing because I actually triggered him emotionally. And, but on the flip side of that is that I knew that my story was good. I liked my story. So whether someone else could appreciate my story, that, 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 that didn't matter anymore. Now, I'm not saying that I don't still get, you know, sad if somebody says something because I think it's human nature. But I think that being able to, you know, to write my story, read my story and for me to read it and say, OK, this is a good story and I am proud of this has gone a long way in helping me to be OK when the negative feedback comes, if that makes sense. Because if you, if you don't love your story, how is anybody else going to love your story? I just love that mindset for, for being, um, I guess for persisting through writing when it can get tough, especially like you said, when you get negative feedback on something that is such a great mindset to have. And I think it really important for new writers too. Are there any tips that you would have for writers who are just kind of getting started? Yes, actually, I think that it's very important to spend a lot of time reading 
authors that you want to write like because um, when you are actually reading, you're absorbing that person's not only their story, but their writing style. So it can positively influence you when you sit down to write. By no means, you know, never, ever, ever copy another writer because that, I mean, that's morally and legally wrong. But what I am saying that is by reading the work of somebody who you admire or you would like to write like, it actually just automatically improves your writing. Um, I, will, I don't read while I'm actively writing, but I do read in between, like especially in between drafts. Like if I finish a first draft, I'll read a book and then I'll go back and I'll do my second draft and then I'll read another book. Because I think reading as much as you're writing is equally as important because it's, it's an ever growing and learning process. And then I th honestly, I think, you know, like following your page, Ross, has been a excellent influence on me. Like I have found that I it's improved my writing. It's helped me to think more about my story development and my characters, you know, when I'm going back and editing. Because even though I don't plan while I'm writing, you know, to, to get, when I go back through my editing, I'm doing a lot more planning and thinking. And, you know, it's just the second draft is really where the story, I think, comes together. And I think that that's something also extremely important for for um, new newbie writers, so to speak, is to give yourself permission to write that first draft crappily. Don't worry about making it. Okay. So what I was saying about the uh, the second draft is I think that it's so important to just give yourself permission to write that first draft. Just get that story down. Because there's, you know, different parts of our brain and the part of our brain that is creative and that creates the story is not the same part of our brain that we use to make sure we've got good grammar, good punctuation, good flow, you know, great adjectives and, you know, to make the story sound pretty, I guess, setting. Um, so I think it's very important just to write that crappy first draft and just go ahead and expect that it's going to be crappy. Because where a lot of new writers get hung up is they're trying to write this beautiful prose on their first attempt. And it, you get lost in trying to make it sound beautiful and lose connection with the actual story that's taking place. And even I fall victim to it. I just got through actually writing my fifth novel and I'm in editing now. And I did the mm -hmm. same thing. I caught myself trying to make it sound pretty. And I'm like, what am I doing? Need to just write the story. So I think that that's super important is that first draft is for your eyes only. And then the second draft, then you start getting into trying to make it sound good. Excellent. That is great advice to new writers. So can you tell us a bit about the Writing Champions Project? Oh, I would love to. So I formed the Writing Champions Project back in January of this year, um, mainly because I was feeling kind of alone out there in the writing world. And I said, we, as writers, we really need a community, a place where we can get together and support each other. And it just absolutely exploded from there. I was able to bring on um, six contributing writers. And what we do is every single day on Instagram, uh, we take turns and each writer writes an encouraging post to encourage other writers. 
And the project has just been expanding and expanding. And now we're looking to make a membership division so where we can get writers that are serious about their writing, get them some really good education resources on learning and expanding their writing. Also to be able to give them resources and connections to people that are vetted out so they know if they hire an editor, this is a good editor. If they hire a book formatter, it's somebody they can trust. Cover designers, you know, people that they can work with to create a professional looking book. Um, and that's if they're indie. And then if they want to try to go tra traditional, we're also looking on bringing in some literary agencies and some different types of publishing companies from hybrids to traditional straight traditional publishers that will work with our writers and give them a second look because the main thing we're trying to get traditionally published is these days is standing out in that slush pile so we're hoping to form some relationships with some professionals that will you know if the if our member says you know in their query letter you know i'm a member of the writing champions project that they will give that query a second look that doesn't mean they're going to get published because they're a member, but they definitely will get a little extra eye over their work. Um, then we're also working to expand into a literacy program where we're working with children's authors and trying to get sponsors for them so that we can get their books out into the schools. But a little bit different than what people normally do is to have sponsors who will actually purchase copies of the book for the author to give to the students. So the students can take home a signed copy of the book that was read to them. And I really love that because I think that that is going to impact children's lives profoundly because they're going to take home this book that's signed by an author. And I think it's going to so much encourage them to read and to write. So I'm really excited about that aspect of it. And I'm just excited to see, you know, where where we where we're going to go from here. It's such a great initiative, and you know, like you mentioned on the Instagram page, is a great motivational resource too. But I love that you're just creating it as a community that where writers help other writers. I think that's such an important thing to have. Yeah, well that that's uh, that's part of you know our mission statement is that you know that writers need community. You know, even though it's such a solitary. Uh, job or hobby, you know, what have you, it's still so important to have community. And it's been amazing to see how supportive writers are of other writers. You know, like we're really not competitive with each other, that we just really love and support each other. And that is a great thing to witness. Yeah, I love that. And like you said, you know, it's a solitary profession. I Maybe we can all just kind of understand <laughs> that we need somebody else to talk to sometimes. So that's fantastic. Now, I understand you've got a new novel out. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yes. Um, yes, I'm extremely excited about it. Um, it's called The Moments Between, and it's about a woman. Her husband dies in a train accident and leaves her with two small young, two young, I guess small young, same thing, two young children. And six months later in, into her grief and recovery process, she wakes up in the morning and her husband is in the house like he's never been gone. So she's obviously quite bewildered. And she picks up her phone and looks at the date and realizes that it's actually three months before the accident ever happened. So she gets up and writes it off as a very vivid but very bad dream and goes about her life. 
Well, in short order, she starts to realize that things from the dream are coming to pass. And she tries to stop some of these things that she can see is happening. Like there's an incident where her child breaks a platter and she remembers it from the dream and she tries to stop it, but she can't. So she's finding that she can't, it's almost like it's fate. Like these things are happening against her will. And, but she's still determined to try to save her husband before it's too late. Wow. I really like that. That is such an interesting premise. Uh, well, I'm excited for that then. Thank you thank so much. You. Um, and thank you for being on the show. You know, I'm going to include links to your books uh, and the website and obviously the Writing Champions Project and anything else in the show notes. Uh, so, you know, listeners, definitely go check it out. Natalie is fantastic. And Natalie, thank you so much for being here. Well, Ross, thank you so much. I have just enjoyed getting to talk to you and telling you about my writing process. And I look forward to talking to you again. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks to Natalie for taking the time to be with us here today and for sharing her writing wisdom with us. You can find links to her site, social media, and her new book in the show notes. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to subscribe and leave a positive review so that we can continue to grow and learn more storytelling tips from our special guests. You can learn more about storytelling and writing lessons at kingo.com. That's K-I-I-N-G-O.com. That's all for today. Now, let's get to work and write some great stories. <laughs>